This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. The master storyteller David Baldacci is back with the second book in his 620 Man series, The Edge. A global number one best-selling author, Baldacci's books are published in over 45 languages and in more than 80 countries with 150 million copies sold worldwide. The 620 Man is back, dropped by his handlers into a small coastal town in Maine to solve the murder of a CIA agent who knew America's dirtiest secrets. Can Travis Devine uncover the truth before his time runs out? Happy to have David Baldacci back on Speaking of Writers. David, welcome to this program. Thank you very much. Great to be back. So what do you like about the 620 man, Travis Devine, and why why did you want to revisit him in The Edge? He's a versatile kind of uh, protagonist, and he's got a special skill set. He was an army ranger, so he can do all the physicality stuff and take care of himself. But there is an emotional baggage to this guy. He's guilt-ridden because of what happened to him during his army career and ultimately why he had to leave the army. He's being sort of forced to work for this agency. He doesn't really want to work for them, um, but he didn't really have a choice. Um, So he's got a lot of stuff going on in his background, his personal life, and that makes him interesting to me. Yeah, I, and when I dropped him into Putnam, Maine to find out what happened to Jenny Silkwell, who worked for the CIA, her family was a prominent family up there. Uh, her dad was an army veteran and a senator uh, who now has Alzheimer's, doesn't even know his oldest daughter has been killed. Um, so he has to go up there and figure out, you know, was she killed because of her CIA connections or was she killed because of some dark secret in Putnam, Maine that he has to sort of find out. But he's got a lot of emotional baggage going on. So you see both sides of him. You see the physicality, but you also see the emotional side to this guy as well. And the personal side, because there are some people up in Putnam, Maine, who have a lot of problems going on. And he sympathizes with them and tries to help and support them. At the same time, he's trying to fill out, find out who killed Jenny Silkwell and why. How did you create Travis, David? I was I read um, two uh, stories written by this team of international journalists a couple of years ago called the Pandora Papers and the Panama Papers, talking about $30 trillion of dark money flying around the world. And they documented you know, who it belonged to, where it was, and where it was going and all that. But they never really answered the question of what they, what they did with it. So I thought to myself, I'm going to write a book to try to answer that question. If I had $30 trillion, what would I do with it? I wouldn't go out and buy the 11th private jet and 12th yacht. I would use the money to buy up people and property and influence such that I I would tilt the world even more in my favor. <laughs> and I have to say that when the book came out, the lead journalist for this international consortium read the book. He had no idea that he was they were even mentioned at it. He almost fell out of his bed. And he called me, emailed me, interviewed me. Then I had dinner with him and his team in D.C., and he said, we'd love to work with you in the future, you know, because a lot of more people read your books and read our stuff. You're you're spot on, you know, with your analysis of what people do with that, uh, that dark money. They influence the world so that it leans even more in their favor. So I, I wanted to have a character that could sort of attack that world. And Travis Devine seemed to me to be the guy who could do it. I made him an ardent ranger so he could sort of take care of himself personally. Uh, I also gave him an MBA and sent him to work in the world of Wall Street so he could have that other side to his personality so he could figure things out from, you know, a financial point of view. And if that was ever called for in any of the cases that he worked on. And then I felt like he would be a good candidate for for this clandestine clandestine agency. And voila, Travis Devine was born and I set him off on his tasks. David, let's talk about Putnam, Maine. Why Putnam, Maine is a setting for you? Putnam was, I've been to Maine many times. My cousin, John, was a, was a governor there for a couple of terms. I've been all over Maine. Um, and I wanted a place that was atmospheric, rugged, isolated, rural. And uh, that stretch of the coast of Maine fit all of that. Putnam is not a real town up there. I made it up just because uh, 
um, you know, you write about a real place and you put the mailbox in the wrong corner, someone will email you and tell you that you made a mistake. So um, fictional towns are much, much easier. But Putnam is named after um, the people we used to go up there and rent beach houses when my kids were little. Their names were the Putnams. So I thought, you know what? Sounds like a town in Maine. So we're going to make it Putnam, Maine. And the in the town and the in the environment and the atmosphere really become a character in this novel. And I work very hard to do that because that's one reason to set it there. It's a hard scrabble life. You know, Maine thrives on two things: fishing and tourism. And both were hard hit by one, the pandemic, and two, climate change. And you learn a lot about lobster fishermen up there and how that industry is dying out because of climate change. The waters are just getting too warm for the lobsters. Um, but it becomes a, a real character in the novel, and that was important to me. So not to give away too much, but what is the CIA operative, Jenny Silkwell, hiding? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of dark secrets in small towns. People think the metrop- metropolises have the monopoly on past histories and dark secrets, but they don't. So um Small towns have a lot going on there, and you don't have the dilutive effect of having millions of people live there. It's not all that many people, and everybody knows everybody else's business, or so they think. So when Pat, you know, dark secrets come out, sometimes they surprise some people, and sometimes they don't surprise other people. So it gives Travis sort of this narrow stage in which to dwell and build this case and the people he has to talk to. Um, so it's a very claustrophobic kind of place. You know, Everybody is looking over everybody else's shoulder. David, you've written so many books now. What comes first for you typically, the plot or the characters? I've done it both ways. I've come up with characters and created plots around them, and I've come up with plots and then created characters to go inside of those plots. Um, This one, you know, I think I had an idea for what I wanted the character to be, and I created Travis Devine in order to do that. Um, The Camel Club was sort of the same. I wanted this conspiracy group of people, older guys who ran around getting in trouble. And so voila, there was the Camel Club and I built plots that would suit that sort of environment and those sorts of characters. So it all depends on the story that I'm trying to tell. One could come first in, in some instances and the other could come first in others. Chatting with David Baldacci here on Speaking of Writers, the number one New York Times bestselling author. His new book, A 620 Man Thriller, is The Edge. The title, The Edge, where did that come from? So um, Jenny Silkwell is marched to the edge of the coastline, um, which has elevated that part of Maine. And she's shot and she goes over the edge and lands in the water. And that's where they find her body on a narrow, on a very shallow cliff uh, in in partly in the water. And also uh, it talks about Travis Devine, because in this novel, I really push him to the edge of his abilities and his limits, right to the wall. Uh, to see whether he's going to survive or not. And the, and the cover sort of dictates that. He's standing on the edge of a of a, of a mountain on a hill, uh, looking down at the ocean, which is very violent and erratic at that point. So that's really where the, the, the edge seemed to fit what I was trying to do, both with the actual murder of Jenny Sokwell, but also what I was asking Travis Devine to do in this novel. David, in terms of storytelling, which is the more challenging part, starting something off or wrapping up all the loose ends and wrapping it up? I love starting new series because everything is fresh and new. You don't have to do a lot of explaining about background and where the characters came from to try to catch people up on what the character was, you know, over the course of seven or eight books and everything is fresh and new. So when I wrote the 620 man, it was a blast. I was so energized and it was so much fun because, you know, I had never done this sort of story before and I never had a character like this before and off I went running. So sometimes when you've written a lot of books, um, and you have to play that catch up for readers. 
and you have to go through the machinations of you know explaining the background where they came from how they got to where they are their special skills or whatever it can seem a little redundant you know you're like oh my god how many times will i have to do that so i try to come up with more imaginative ways to do it to shortcut certain things to economize certain things so i'm not spending page after page just on backstory and back history uh, but it is a challenge to do that but there's nothing like starting a brand new first novel in the series that is just the coolest moment in time you are a prolific author. You've cranked them out. Do you ever foresee a time when you just might sit back, put your feet up, or will you always be at that desk writing? Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really who I am. Um, yeah. Foresee myself. I will, I, I will continue to write different things. I will continue to write at a different pace. I don't see myself keeping this pace up forever. Certainly, I have a book coming out next year in the in the spring. Uh, that I've been working on for 15 years. It's a courtroom drama set in 1968 in Virginia, and it's very much in part autobiographical. I've never done that sort of book before. It's an important book for me, uh, and I took far more time on it than I usually do with any of my other books. So, you know, doing things differently is not a bad thing. It gets you out of your comfort zone, shakes things up. Last thing I want to become is a book factory. I want every book to stand on its own and have its own unique challenges and unique ways that I actually created it. So, you know, I'm not going to ever stop writing, but I may change the way I actually do what I do. David Baldacci, my guest here on Speaking of Writers, I want to talk about family literacy. Very important to you. It's why you and your wife, Michelle, founded the Wish You Well Foundation and uh, Feeding Body and Mind. And you have a partnership with Feeding America, too. Talk about that a little bit. So the one fundamental skill that people have that will dictate how successful they're going to be, both economically and individually, is, is reading. Um, if you don't have the skill, you're never going to reach your potential. And uh, it also is a drag on our society because it it fuels a lot of the social ills we have. It fuels homelessness and hunger and poverty and crime. Um, if we spent a lot more money and a lot more focus on teach, re teaching people to love, love reading, read books their whole lives, which makes them better, more tolerant, less discriminatory and more empathetic, we'd have a much better world. People be able to realize their economic potential. They will provide for their families and themselves at a far higher level. Um, a lot of the social ills that otherwise is, are associated with low reading skills would go away. So every dollar you put into literacy, you get $10,000 out of the other end as a society. And so our our goal at the Wish You All Foundation, we've been doing this for 23 years, is simple. We want to eradicate illiteracy in the U.S., and, if you, and to do that, we fund hundreds of programs every year across the country. We spend millions of dollars doing it because we know that every dollar put in is going to have enormous benefit on the backside and is going to make our world better for everyone. Um, unfortunately, you know, only 10% of this population consistently read books, which means 90% of the people in this country cannot. You know, majority of people in this, in this country have never cracked a book open since school. Um, they are addicted to, you know, social media, TikTok, uh, X formerly known as Twitter, short form, form stuff. And it's actually narrowing our attention span such that a lot of people are having difficulty reading more than a page because their attention span will not allow them to do that because it's been weakened by social media. And that is a real problem because our brains are designed for long form thinking, not for short bursts of stuff. And I, when I was a lawyer, no client ever thanked me for giving him a quick answer. It later turned out to be wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so we're doing, you know, some things right in this country. We're certainly trying to do our part at the Wish You All Foundation, but society as a whole tends to be moving away from things that make us better people and more informed people. And it, it's taking us to places where we're going to be sh more shallow and less informed. And I don't think that's a good direction. 
And for more information on the Wish You Well Foundation, the website is wishyouwellfoundation, all one word, dot O-R-G. This book, The Edge, is dedicated to Lee Caligaro. Who was Lee, David? He was a, a lawyer that I practiced law with for almost a decade. Um, he was the one I cut my teeth on as a trial lawyer. I would go to court with him often, both state and federal. Um, he was the kind of guy that, you know, he would go in and he would look like he was going to pass out before a trial or a hearing. He'd go into the bathroom, smoke incessantly, feel like he was going to be throw up. And uh, I would feel like, oh, my God, am I going to end up arguing this about him? Then we'd go into the courtroom and all rise. And the judge comes in and you look over at him and everything crystallizes in his head. And he would get up and just be the most brilliant trial lawyer you ever saw. And he taught me a hell of a lot. He recently passed away. And this was a, a time and an opportunity for me to pay homage to a guy who was, at least for me, was the greatest trial lawyer I've ever seen and ever practiced law with. The book is The Edge. It's from the number one New York Times bestselling author, David Baldacci. It's a 620-man thriller. It is out now for more information. And to connect with David Baldacci, he's got a website, davidbaldacci.com. David, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Take care. Have a good holiday. Thank you. You too. And this is Speaking of Writers.